My text this morning is um, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. We'll uh, refer back to that chapter that we read uh, in John, but the text I want to preach from is in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. Revelation 3 and verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I wonder if you did a survey, perhaps um, in the church or even in the town, about people's favorite word in a prayer. And I think if you asked a lot of people, uh, they might say that Amen was their favorite word because it signaled the end uh, of the prayer. And you can imagine perhaps that somebody might have prayed a long, long prayer and the time goes on and you get restless and think, when is this going to end? And uh, suddenly, Amen, and it means uh, the end. And I want really to preach and to focus on this word, Amen. Uh, this morning. Andrew, um, some weeks ago, certainly before Christmas, was speaking on the Apostles' Creed. And um, in the last message, uh, he made a throwaway uh, comment uh, about the Amen at the end. And I took that as a bit of a, a challenge. I thought, I'm going to preach on the Amen. So, what we'll do now is just to go back to the Creed, and it'll be up on the screen. And uh, we'll say it together, including um, the Amen, and then I'll take you on uh, from there. So we'll just have the creed uh, on the screen. And uh, if you follow me, we'll, we'll say it together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. It's the last word of the Apostles' Creed. It's the last word of the Bible, too. And we know, I think, that it signifies a yes, doesn't it? It signifies agreement. We are saying that we uh, approve of what has been spoken and what has been said. Very often, as perhaps it, it would have been for you at one time, um, it's a, a ritual, it, it's a routine, it's a form of words, perhaps with the Lord's Prayer that we know very well in our heads and it trips off our tongue. It can be a routine thing, it can be part of a a ritual, we just know that the last word of a prayer is always Amen. 
When it's spoken sincerely, the Amen marks a wish for the fulfillment of what we hear. Let it be true. Let it come into effect. I want this to be a reality and not just words. Christmas already seems a long time ago, but we remember Mary. And although Mary, uh, as the angel appeared to her, didn't say amen, she did say in Luke 1, 38, let it be to me according to your word. And that's what the amen, when it's spoken from the heart, that's what amen means. Lord, this is what you have said. This is what you want. And this is also now what I want. It's an acceptance of what God says. It's a rejoicing in what God says. And so uh, we were seeing last Sunday and the Sunday before, weren't we? In Revelation chapter 4 and 5, there are amens of worship, amens of triumph and victory in the Bible. At its root, in the Hebrew, the word amen means to be firm, not wobbly. It means to be sure and fixed. Now, to rely on something wobbly is never a good thing. You may have sat on a chair and it proves to be wobbly and how unsettling and embarrassing uh, that can be. We want things to be fixed. When you've attached something to the wall and it's screwed in, you want it to be tight. You want it to be fixed and reliable. But if we want to get to the, the core of what Amen means, we need to go to our text, Revelation 3 and verse 14, and we need to come to a person, the person of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is speaking to the seven churches, in this case the church at Laodicea, to the angel or to the pastor of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen. That's Jesus. The Amen. The faithful and true witness. The beginning of God's creation. We know that Jesus is the Word, but He's also the Amen. What He says comes from who he is. And because he is who he is, his word is firm. It's not wobbly. It's fixed and settled. He is a rock and his word is a rock. I want to say three things from uh, the text this morning about the Lord Jesus as the Amen that he's the true word and he's the solid word and he's the last 
word. So firstly, he, Jesus, the Amen, he is the true word. We're told in the verse that he is the faithful and the true witness. The Bible insists that nothing is true apart from Jesus Christ. The Bible makes an amazing claim about Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. It says that everything holds together in him. Everything consists, everything coheres in him, so that if he wasn't there, everything would be chaos and disorder. And everything was chaos and darkness until Jesus, the Word, spoke in the beginning. Jesus describes himself, doesn't he, as the way and the truth and the life. But the Bible says almost more than that. It's saying that everything that is true is true because of Jesus. That every scientific endeavor, every quest for knowledge, the work of the physicist, the work of the mathematician, the work of the language scholar, the work of the explorer, the work of the biologist and the zoologist, the work of David Attenborough. The Bible is saying that everything that man does, every quest, every research, is finding out the works of God. It all holds together because of Jesus. There's a great quest called The Theory of Everything or Finding the Theory of Everything. There's a film of that name, and it's the major unsolved problem in physics and in science generally, the theory of everything. Well, the Bible got there first when it described Jesus as the word, the logos. And for the Greeks, that was the principle that held everything together. It's the hub, the focus of everything in the universe, both in the physical sense and in the moral sense and in the sense of knowledge. Colossians uh, chapter 1, and Colossians was a letter that the church in Laodicea would have been familiar with, but Colossians 1 and verse 15 says these stupendous things about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. There are some amazing things that are going on uh, in the world of science 
and the world of discovery. There's the James Webb Space Telescope that I think now has reached after a journey of 930,000 miles, one and a half million kilometers, it's finally reached its position uh, from where it will do its long planned uh, and billions of dollars worth of work. 18 hexagonal gold-plated sections of the uh, telescope, they will uh, unfold and it will begin to examine, it will begin to look into things that are not yet known. Scientists are hoping to see how the oldest stars and galaxies were formed. But all of that is simply finding out what Jesus has done. All knowledge has its hub and its object in him. And Jesus, when he wants to speak to his disciples and to others, when he wants to reinforce the things that are important, the things that are vital, he uses this word, amen. It comes a, a great deal in John's gospel. Uh, we read in chapter six. It also comes in John's gospel, chapter three, uh, when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. And where you have in the old versions, verily, verily, or you have in the newer versions, truly, truly, the word there is amen in the original. Amen, amen, truly, truly, I say to you, a man must be born again. Everything comes down to Jesus. He is the true and the faithful witness. He is the truth. Nothing is true without him. And Jesus then, without any arrogance, without any deception, invites people to come to him, invites people to worship him. I am the bread of life, he says, that came down from heaven. I am the light of the world. And no knowledge that, that doesn't have uh, me as its goal is worth having. The knowledge that you need is the knowledge of me. Not a thing, not knowledge of words, but knowledge of the word, Jesus. So Jesus, firstly, as the Amen, he's the true word. He is not just <clears throat> the uh, word that's printed on the pages of the Bible. He is the word that's not just in the figment of our imagination. He, right now, is upholding this universe by his word. And he, right now, is the savior of all who will come to him. He, right now, is fulfilling and bringing to pass everything that he has said he will do. He is the true word. But then secondly, he is the solid word. And when he's described here in Revelation 3, 14, as the, the faithful witness, 
we can say that that means that he is solid, that his word is firm. There have been many leaders, and there are many leaders, whose word, whose promises prove somewhat wobbly, and their sayings prove not to be reliable. People do rely on them, people look to them, people put their trust and hope in them, they put a great weight of expectation on this single person, and yet they're flawed, they're wobbly, their word is not firm and solid, there is no faithfulness there. They will go back on their word for the sake of their own interests, for the sake of money, they will change what they have said. For the sake of popularity, they might change what they said they would do. Jesus, though, is the faithful witness. His word is solid, and nothing will stop him carrying out doing what he says he will do. There's a lovely verse in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1 and verse 15, and it's Paul's uh, testimony to the way that the Lord uh, saved him. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 15. This is a trustworthy and, sorry, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Another version has, here is a faithful saying. Here's something that is solid, and you might rest upon it, and it won't wobble. Here's a trustworthy saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And in a world where there's so much exaggeration, there's so much deception, there's so much evasiveness and people twisting and turning, Jesus is the faithful witness because he himself is faithful. He himself is totally and utterly committed to keeping his word. As soon as a word has left his mouth, Jesus Christ is obsessed with the task of making sure it happens. He is fixed. There are things that he must do. And being true as the Son being true as the one who with the Father and the Holy Spirit entered into this eternal covenant. He is faithful to his agreed role. Despite the cost, he came into the world. He humbled himself. He took on flesh. He was humiliated. Even in his coming into the world as a baby, never mind in the humiliation of the cross. But here is one, the Amen, totally faithful, totally committed. 
Anything that's not secure can be dangerous. Something that wobbles can easily cause harm and uh, damage. But here is one who is firm. We value faithfulness very little uh, today. And the results of unfaithfulness are all around us. Uh, vows broken, uh, agreements broken. But here says the word of God. Here is something that is utterly trustworthy. It's solid. Our houses, we like to think, are solid. We hope that our houses don't uh, wobble when we step on the uh, floor. We hope that everything's in line and everything's true in our houses and the foundations are set and nothing will cause them to, to move. But eventually, our houses will crumble. Eventually, the very mountains and the hills in the Flinry Valley, they will go. Nothing that we see around us is permanent. But the prophet Isaiah says, the Lord says through him, the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. How many disappointments we meet with in our lives. How many things prove not to be what we expected. Not reliable, not certain, not fixed. But here's a solid word, and here's a gospel and a saviour who is incapable of proving false. He never wavered, he never wobbled, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, and even went under intense pressure from the devil at different times, and went under pressure in his trial and crucifixion. He never wavered. He stayed faithful. And his words cannot be anything but solid and reliable. And the one who has depended on Jesus, the one who has taken Jesus at his word, can never be disappointed. If you're an investor and you're lucky enough to have savings, a pension, you like to take advice, and the advice usually is, well, make sure that just for the sake of safety, you put some money into this fund and some money into that fund and some money into this fund, and that may reduce the risk if you spread your investments. And some people take the same approach in a spiritual sense, and they hedge their bets and say, well, not one person, not one religion has a monopoly of truth, so I'll spread my investments around, a bit of this and a bit of that. But the Bible is very clear, and I hope that uh, if you don't 
go away with anything else this morning, you do go away with this, that in terms of you finding peace, and in terms of you finding security and finding something solid, you better put all your eggs in one basket. You better put all your attention and all your soul and all your life and be totally committed to only one fund, only one investment. Because only that is solid and only what's on the rock only what's fastened to the rock of Jesus will be safe and solid. But then um, thirdly, Jesus proclaims himself to be the last word, the words of the, the Amen, in the sense that he is the one who settles everything. He has authority to be the judge he sees the secrets of all hearts. And nothing is finally over until Jesus says so. It was he who spoke the first word, Genesis chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Without him, nothing was made that was made. He's the beginning of God's creation as Revelation 3, 14 tells us, he was there in the beginning beside God, the Son of God. He had the first word and he will have the last word. In other words, there's nothing better, there's nothing higher, there's nothing more lovely and gracious there's nothing more clear, there's nothing more compelling, there's nothing more winning than what God says in the gospel of Jesus. He spoke by the prophets in the Old Testament, but now he is spoken by his son. Uh, the hymn that we sung earlier said, what more can he say than to you he has said. If you've been through the process of selling a property, <clears throat> which we've done um, a few times, your house is put on the market and you set a price for your house and you talk to the estate agent, you agree what uh, price should be um, on the uh, advertisement and it's there online. And what do you do? You wait for the best offer. And you have an offer that comes in early, and it's maybe 10,000, 15,000 less than the asking price. And you wait, and another offer comes in. And you think, well, that's better than the first one, but it's still not what we want. And you wait for the best offer. And it would be a tragedy if that is what you're doing this morning, waiting for a better offer. Could there be a better saviour? Could there be a better gospel than the one that is already here in Jesus? All the promises of God are yes 
and amen in him. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. All the promises come to their fruition in him. He has the highest authority. Nothing can be settled apart from Jesus. He is the Amen. When you're watching, uh, it might be cricket, it might be football, it might be rugby. Nowadays, there's this awful uh, time, it might be seconds, it can be minutes, when the referee has made a decision and it has to be reviewed, or the umpire on the cricket field has made a decision and the player requests a review. And there's a fourth umpire, there's somebody um, in, in football or rugby who's there at the ground watching screens, and they have to look at it minutely and see if the referee was right. And you wait, you wait for uh, the verdict. And tennis has been much in the news, hasn't it? Uh, in Australia, anyway. And we remember tennis players who demanded that the umpire step in because they disputed the, uh, the line call that the line judge made. They, uh, the line judge would have called the ball out and the tennis player insists the ball was in. The umpire gets involved, there's a bit of a standoff, the player throws a tantrum, and then a higher authority has to come in. The referee tournament has to come in and make a, a decision. The final verdict on you and me, the final verdict on our lives belongs to Jesus. And there's no higher appeal uh, from him. Many politicians are waiting, aren't they, for a verdict, waiting for a report, waiting for all the facts to be set out about the Downing Street parties. Jesus gives the last word because all the facts are at his disposal. It isn't other people that have the last word. It isn't you that has the last word. It's Jesus who has the last word. It isn't the devil who will have the final say. Jesus is triumphant. Jesus shall reign. And he will be the judge. The wonderful thing, though, as a Christian is that the verdict that Jesus gives is one you can know already. You can know now for yourself this final verdict that the last word about you has been spoken by Jesus. This is what it is to be a Christian. It is to come to Jesus by faith and it is for God to declare that you are righteous in Jesus that all your sins have been dealt with, that you are clean, that you're free, and nothing can unsay what Jesus says to you in the gospel. No one can overturn that verdict. I wonder this morning then if you know this Lord 
Jesus for yourself. Don't wait for a better offer. Don't wait for a firmer word. Don't wait until you're better. Don't wait until your hand is forced. Don't wait until things get darker and darker for you. Don't wait until you're so ill that you can barely even reason and think. Today is the day of salvation. Today, the word that Jesus speaks is powerful, and he stands ready to save all who call upon him. Will you take your stand on the rock? You and I wobble greatly, don't we? We are so unsteady. But by faith, we can be fastened to the rock that doesn't move. May that be so for each of us. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for our Savior who stands as Lord of history, Lord over time. We thank you that he has the keys. We thank you that he is the one who opens heaven. We thank you that all judgment is committed to him. And we praise you, Lord, that in your grace, we who were sinners, deserving, Lord, of your final verdict of guilty and deserving of hell, we thank you that in Jesus, even today, we may believe and we may be grounded and we may be secure uh, in Jesus. I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he's able to keep what I've entrusted to him until that day. Lord, hear our prayers. We pray this, this Lord Jesus who speaks, the one who is the Amen, the one who is the faithful and true witness. We pray that he will be our worship and that he will be our hope. For his name's sake, amen.